What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Styles Files. I am your host, Alan Styles, and thank you, as always, for listening. Today, we are joined by someone that I met, another fellow Temple alum. You know, we just make winners. We just make winners. But I am joined today by Kenny King Jr. He's a co-host on one of the biggest Las Vegas Raider podcasts in the nation, the Raider Cody podcast. Kenny King Jr., thank you for joining the show. Hey, thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, what's going on, guys? And yeah, go Owls. Yeah. Uh, Temple tough, Temple made, Philly made, all that good stuff. So, Kenny, let's just start here. Obviously, there's a lot of fans out there for a lot of different sports, but to be a fan enough, a strong enough fan, a big enough fan to do a podcast on it. And Kenny also has a YouTube channel. How did you get into the fandom of the Las Vegas Raiders? Maybe you, it would, they were the Los Angeles Raiders and then obviously the Oakland Raiders. When did you become a fan? How did that start for you? And how did it kind of evolve? Yeah, so for me, uh, becoming a fan was kind of, uh, you know, as a Raider fan, you always say you bleed silver and black, right? And for me, it really is the, the situation of me bleeding silver and black. Uh, my dad was traded to the Raiders in 1980. Uh, he was drafted in 1979 by the Houston Oilers. Uh, coming out of Oklahoma, he was a uh, fullback for the University of Oklahoma. I uh, ran the wishbone with Billy Sims, was there the year that Billy won his Heisman Trophy. Uh, then got drafted in the third round to the Houston Oilers, uh, played back at to uh, this guy that you guys may have heard of, Earl Campbell, um, and got injured his rookie year. And uh, from there, uh, Al Davis had traded for him uh, in what was a blockbuster trade back then. They traded Jack Tatum and Ken Stabler for my dad and Dan Pastorini. Wow. Uh, that Yeah. And so that year, um, that year, the Raiders had ended up, um, they had a rough start, and they ended up going and making the wild card team. Uh, and so what happened was Dan Pastorini went down with a broken leg. Jim Plunkett came in. The rest was history. Uh, in that, you know, 1980 Super Bowl that they went to, my dad had an 80-yard reception for, I'm sorry, he had a uh, touchdown reception for 80 yards. It was a Super Bowl record. Um, and so the rest is history on that. I was born a few years later. Um, I was born the year before Super Bowl 18. And so when I say I bleed silver and black, I really do. I was born into that locker room. I was born around the culture, um, you know, around guys like Marcus Allen, Howie Long, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Tatum was around, you know, uh, all those guys were, you know, guys that I looked up to as, you know, quote unquote uncles. Uh, growing up. So that culture was around me from the moment I was born. Um, and so that's really how I became a fan. Um, obviously, when I started my fandom, I was, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. And I was, you know, the Raiders were down in LA. And, you know, in 1995, when I was, you know, starting my teenage years, they moved back to Oakland, and I had the opportunity to, you know, be extremely close to the team that I loved. And so um that just it's always something that's stuck with me it's always something that's been been there with me uh something that's always been been close to my heart is is just you know my fandom yeah no i think that's i first of all i did not know that like i like i said we we met we met through twitter um i saw a couple parallels in your background and my background and obviously both being in the bay area but going to good old philadelphia going to temple yeah. so i did not know all that but that's crazy man and it's and it's kind of interesting because i want to get your take on this being from the bay area because when they did announce that the raiders were leaving i saw like two sides and one side was oakland raider fans kind of saying oakland is is the real home, you can't leave Oakland, all this other stuff. We're mm -hmm. not going to watch anymore. And then you had the other Raider fan base, whether they were from L Los Angeles or 
just all throughout the nation that are saying, well, Raider Nation doesn't necessarily have a location. Raider Nation is kind of what you talk about. If you're really Raider Nation, you bleed silver and black. So for me, I became a fan because neighbors of ours growing up had season tickets. My parents Mm -hmm. are not into football at all. So I really had free reign on whatever I wanted to do growing up. I had Niners jerseys. I had Raiders jerseys. But as I kind of got to my adolescence and we were hanging out with that family, that's how I became a Raider fan. So for me, I would probably qualify myself as an Oakland Raider fan to start. I definitely don't have the history that you have. So when they left, especially, and we talked about this uh, before, and we left, when they left and I don't know if everybody really knows why they left, right? Um, mm-hmm. I guess people, some people feel differently about the Raiders than the Warriors because the Warriors really didn't have to leave at all. Right. So why right. don't you kind of talk about just your feelings on that and if there are any Oakland Raider fans out there that might feel slighted by the team for leaving, why maybe they shouldn't feel that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, it's it, it's Raider Nation, right? You know, it's not Raider Oakland. It's not Raider Los Angeles. It's not Raider Vegas. You know, you look around and, you know, you've been you've been the same, some of the same places I've been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you walk around Philly, you see dudes walking around in Raiders jackets. Right, you know, you right. See, you see people wearing Raiders hats out there. And that's in Philadelphia. That's in a city where, you know, they love their sports as much as we love our sports in the Bay Area. And, you know, people that don't know, you know, about Philly, Philly is is a very, very passionate fan base. It's a very passionate group of people out there. And so, you know, when you like another team out there, they're going to be on you just like people are out here. And so, you know, you see Raider fans out there. You know, I, I go to Colorado. I see Raider fans. You go to Vegas, you see Raider fans. I was in Mexico. I see a Raider hat. So that's the thing is Raider Nation is is everywhere. It's a nation. We're worldwide. This is a fan base that has traveled well. This is a, tra- a fan base that has weathered a tremendous amount of storms. You know, we've had 17 years of of losing seasons, and you still have sold-out stadiums. You know, you still have fans traveling to London to see games. Um, and so, you know, for us, it doesn't matter where the Raiders play. You know, the Raiders could be on Mars, and it wouldn't matter. But one of the things that we look at with, you know, with this move is this move was was really 25 years coming. When the Raiders, when Al Davis brought the Raiders back to Oakland, one of the premises of the relocation was that there was going to be a new stadium involved. That was 25 years ago. You know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure that some of the listeners before the listeners were born, you know, and so you, you have to look at that aspect of it. 25 years. Yeah. 25 years. If you're in a relationship for 25 years and somebody keeps telling you that they're going to change, or they're going to give you something. How many people are going to stay in that relationship for 25 years? None of the smart ones. Right. And so if you're, if you're expecting a change and no change happens in 25 years and you keep feeding somebody the same sorry story, Oh, we can't do this. So we can't do this. We don't have the infrastructure. We can't, we can't figure out how to make this work. And then you start putting fake plans in place because that's really what it was. You know, they start they started putting out these fake these fake plans. Coliseum City. Ronnie Lott was going to come in with a group of investors and they were going to build, you know, building build an area. Well, now let's really look at it. You know, the Coliseum area is prime real estate. You have the ingress and egress of of traffic. You have BART. You've got a freeway entrance right there. You're right on the waterfront. You've got a you got a huge amount of space. It's an industrial area. You can knock down some warehouses. What do you really think that they want to put there? You look down at China Basin in San Francisco, where they put the giant stadium. There's a ton of shopping. There's high-rise condominiums. Now, if you look 25 years ago, what was it? It was absolutely nothing. It looked just like the stadium site. It was an industrial area that nobody wanted to go to, and now they've turned it into a bustling area where rent is like five thousand dollars for a condo. Right. And so that's what you look at. You have to look behind the lines. You have to look in between the lines because what's happening is you see a lot of the things in the political sense where, you know, the the city wants to, they want to show face that they're trying to keep the team, that they're trying to do everything they can. But are they really? You have this real estate. You have, you know, you're bringing in people to develop 
the stadium that have no idea of what build, uh, developing a stadium does, but they're really good at building strip malls. Right. You know, and yeah. so, you know, the conspiracy theorists in me will sit there and say, well, put two and two together, it equals four. It doesn't equal six. You know, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. You've got the Warriors who just moved to San Francisco. They bought their, they bought their arena. It's beautiful. Uh, that frees up space, right? You're pushing the Raiders out. And what's going on with the A's? You know, for me, I'm an A's fan. But you have a team that has never sold out a stadium unless, you know, it's unless it's a free night where you're giving away free tickets or discounted tickets. And, you know, how does that how is that going to work out? I don't foresee the A's staying in that location. I know that they've been working on plans. Uh, you know, the Raiders, the Raiders had plans. The city had plans for the Raiders. The city put out, you know, descriptions and diagrams for the Raiders as well. So until I see something, I don't, I don't see anything happening. But to put the blame on Mark Davis, to put the blame on the Raiders, it, it's, a, it's a lazy conversation because, you know, the city of Oakland is just as much to blame. How come they were able to get something done in Vegas? Yeah, I agree. I think part of that, too, is the timing of it, like we talked about. The Warriors leaving right around the same time is right. just tough. But and at the same time, that that was the I think that probably hurt more for some people because the Raiders were in LA, you know, and then they came back to Oakland. I think the issue is Oakland as a whole, whether you're talking about the A's or to a lesser degree, the Raiders, just this little brother complex they have with san francisco and right. everybody always you know the 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 little city or little town of oakland and whatever the a's can do and it's also you need to pay sometimes to, to keep some of your big players if you want to make some of these moves i mean we all loved Moneyball, but right it's only going to take you so far so this kind of little brother mentality it, it's it's tough. I mean, the Giants actually are very interesting, their ownership and, and management and how they pay people too. They don't run around throwing guys a ton of money, but they found a way to, when they do have, they, the problem, because I'm a Giants fan, I'm Giants Raiders, like I said, Oakland Raiders because, or Raiders in general, general you've convinced me I'm still a Raider fan now because <laughs> of my neighbors and uh Giants, because my mom worked in the city, we got tickets to the Giants all the time. But if you look at the, you know, what the Giants do, their issue is they can't, they're, they're not willing to get rid of their core. I'm, I'm sitting there, right. I, like, I don't want to watch Brandon Belt anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to get these guys out of here. Meanwhile, Oakland is begging, you know, please just sign Matt Chapman, you know, like keep right. these guys that are doing well for you. Um, but to, to kind of keep going on your path now, you're on the Raider Cody podcast. And with that being said, you have a pretty big responsibility because the Raider fan base is very big and very passionate. So you have the Raider Cody podcast and your YouTube channel where you also talk about all things Raiders. How has that been for you? You know, like we talk with great power comes great responsibility. How has that been for you? Has it been what you've expected? Has it been a little different? Um, positive feedback, negative feedback? How has that been for you so far? Yeah, um, you know, growing, so kind of growing the podcast, um, you, you know, I was talking to Cody about this, is you never expected, you know, you never expected to grow uh, to the level that it did. You know, I, you know when we started, uh, we were, you know, when, when he started, he was just doing it out of his truck on his lunch breaks with a $15 microphone and, you know, mixing it up with, you know, trying to get a little bit of content out there. Um, and now it's grown into a full blown production. And, you know, mm -hmm. we've been able to get some really good guests on there. Um, you know, we've been able to do some tremendous things. We just, you know, raised $20,000 with the help of Raider Nation um, to, I, to yeah. raise money for, for at-risk youth in, in Las Vegas. I saw that man. Um, I saw you in Vegas as well. I just want to give a shout out. That was that was awesome right there. And I'm glad you got to take a trip. We'll have to get into that a little bit yeah. as well at the end. <clears throat> yeah, but you know, 
Um, those are some of the things that you, you don't think about, right? And with that, like you said, with great power, you know, quote unquote, comes great responsibility. Um, you know, the bigger you get, the harder things get sometimes, you know, you have, you know, when you're, when you're doing good things, people want to, they want to see you fail almost. Um, and so what we've seen is, you know, obviously with our podcast, we, you know, we tend to go on the more positive side of things. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of respect, uh, for the players, for the people, the contributors, uh, for the people that we bring on. Um, but at the same time for me, you know, as a son of a former player, uh, somebody who's been around the locker room as a former athlete myself, um, I try to give that level of respect to the players and to, uh, to our guests that, you know, that I would like to have, you know, because as of what I've seen, um, you know, it gets tough. And so we, we try to operate a little bit differently. Um, you know, our podcast isn't for everybody. Sometimes things with the way things operate is you don't, you don't really know how things are going to go. And so that's where, you know, we come in and we, you know, we just do things the, the way that we do, but we enjoy it. You know, it, it's really about having fun. It's about having a good time. Um, you know, Cody's become one of my best friends. Um, I talk to the guy almost every single day uh, regarding, you know, everything from the podcast to Raiders football to life and, and, and in general. And so, um, you know, I got a lot of respect for the guy. Um, he deals with a whole lot more uh, BS than I do. Um, but he also kind of brings it on himself. He likes to he likes to troll people a little bit. He has fun with it. And, uh, you know, he 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 takes it. He takes it as well as he can dish it out. So um you know it's been it's been kind of fun but you know it's the podcast is, is continuing to grow um you know excited about bringing in you know this new vegas fan base um i think that we had a good opportunity to do so when we when we got out there and you know um we're able to meet with some of the fans when we got when we got the stage store in vegas yeah i wanted to and I like I said I started following you on Twitter so obviously uh I'm following Raider Cody as well and the the trolls they they really just don't stop and I mentioned we're going to talk about that a little later as well but I did want to give a shout out it's a very small world I don't I don't know if this is considered a small world but you know when you go places and it's kind of like this is my favorite spot or this this is our secret spot for the trip well a couple years back I was in Vegas. I love roulette. Um, I, I was going to the Life is Beautiful Music Festival a good bit, like every every year. And yeah. but before that, I don't know, probably like five, six years ago, end up in Vegas for a week, which is I don't know that anybody <laughs> needs to be oh, in Vegas man. for a week. But Stage Door ended up, I was staying at the Flamingo. Stage Door ended up being our like rally, our rallying spot. I mean, the deals there are ridiculous. Fast oh, forward, insane. you know. Uh, half a decade later maybe a little bit more than that and it's it seems like it's one of the most official bars of the new las vegas raiders that's how it's coming off to me yeah that's you know that's the place you know the the um the the fan base there um is is very strong uh, you've got the las vegas black hole chapter that um that calls that place home uh, and it has really become the the unofficial bar of the Raiders, uh, you know, as as Raider Nation. Uh, it's got a very Raider feel to it. Um, so you know, it's you you go in there, it's it's very blue collar. Uh, it's very laid back. It's not Las Vegas at all. Um, you know, if anybody's been to Ricky's in San Leandro, uh, that's probably the best way to describe it. It's Ricky's on a smaller scale. Uh, Ricky's and Ricky's in Vegas, basically. Uh, but it's it's just a, it's a great place to go. The deals are ridiculous. I think you can get a beer, a hot dog, and a shot for less than ten dollars. Right. Um, you can get you know a bucket of beers for for a few bucks, and they've got a convenience store right next door. So if you need a Red Bull or, or whatever, you can get that too. Um, but it's been a great place. You know, it's been a, uh, a good place to go. Um, and yeah, it's it's basically been it's become the unofficial the unofficial bar of Raider nation. It's been the official bar of Raider, the Raider Cody podcast. Um, and it's definitely our, our home away from home when we, when we go to Vegas. Right. Right. And it's so funny. I'm, I was about to ask 
well, you know, official bar, you get drinks for free, but it's like, no, I can spare a dollar or $2 because the <laughs> yeah. deals are so ridiculous anyway. But I, that is one thing I noticed about the bar. It's interesting because it's pretty much filled with locals and a couple, you'll see a couple other people that look like they're there for the Las Vegas experience. But even so, when you do walk in and clearly you don't look like, you know, you're, you're there every day or some, some guys will just look like they're there from, you know, getting off their construction shift and things like that. There's no get out of here. This is our bar. There's no hate. There's nothing like that. They just, you know, no. they just want to have a good time. And that's what I love the most about it. Cause sometimes those local bars anywhere you go um, can have that feel, did not feel that at Sager at all, which is why I it's basically a pilgrimage to go every time I am in Vegas. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff, man. Basically how you got, to where you are now i did want to get into what you do on the podcast and what you do on the youtube channel how do you think the raiders are going to do this year i saw on i think it was nfl network uh, one of their analysts was making a this is where we're at in this pandemic i mean we're making lists called the ultimate bandwagon list of teams that can yeah. start to do well and then uh people would bandwagon hop on the bandwagon as far as the Raiders are concerned, how are you feeling? Because I am confused, but optimistic, but cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to go. Um, yeah, Nate Burleson had the the bandwagon list. And I think Adam Rank had us going, I want to say nine and seven uh, and making a wild card spot. Um, you know, me, I, I think they were going to go 19 and 0. Right. And no, don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> no, realistically, I think that the the offense has been vastly improved. Um, you know, Derek Carr finally has a number one receiver that he hasn't had in a few years. Um, you know, you've got Tyrell Williams, who's coming back healthy. He had plantar fasciitis last year. He was off to a great start uh, in his first five games. He had five touchdowns. Um, you've got Henry Ruggs coming in. Uh, who is, you know, coming into the league as a speedster. And how did um, but you, also, how did oh, you feel about the uh, Henry Ruggs pick, by the way? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, at first I was, I was a little, I was a little bummed out because I wanted to get CD lamb, um, you know, being an Oklahoma fan. Uh, I was, I was trying to speak lamb to lamb into existence every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that, you know, I really wanted to get Lamb. Uh, and then when we got Rugs, I was like, oh, man. All right, let me do some research on Rugs because I hadn't done a ton of research on Rugs. Uh, one of my buddies who's a friend of the podcast, Grizz, um, he's a huge, huge rug supporter, uh, has been following him since his college days. Um, you know, Rugs follows him on Twitter now. They they have, actually have a friendship uh, since Rugs got drafted. Um, but you know, Ruggs was there. Grizz was like, "Hey, man, check out, check out these videos. Look at this." So I, I started looking at videos, and I was like, "Man, I was like, Ruggs is more than just a deep threat. He's more than just a speed guy." Um, you know, you look at what he can do. He can run every every route in the tree. He can. He's going to go up there and get the 50-50 balls. Uh, he's going to, you know, play for possession, and he's also going to take a lot of passes to the house because he's got that speed. Um, so. As I watched that, I got a little bit more excited. Um, and as I've been watching, you know, more tape of him just training, uh, getting more excited about that. So uh, I'm actually, I'm really happy about the rugs pick now. I've got, actually, I've got my rug shirt on today. Um, there you and go. so, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up about it. I think that, you know, he's going to be a great, a great add to the offense. You know, I, I trust, I trust Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden and what they're doing. Um, you know, and, and, and also finding out that, you know, Ruggs was one of the top guys that Derek wanted. And so, you know, you know, Derek coming out and saying that, you know, Ruggs was was high on his list. Uh, that's exciting. You know, knowing that, you know, this is a guy that your quarterback wants on the team, that they're, they're already working to build chemistry in Vegas. I think that that's, that's really exciting. Um, but looking at the team, looking at the way that they should go, um, you know, on paper, this looks like it's going to be a top five offense. You know, you've got Josh Jacobs coming back. You've got Foster Moreau coming back. You've got Darren Waller, who had a breakout season last year. Um, Henry Ruggs, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, the young goat, you know, the best slot receiver in the game, in my opinion. Nobody can tell me otherwise. And, yep. you know, you look at 
you look at them offensively in the, the offensive line, we have all of our starters returning. And it's a big bullying offensive line. You know, Richie Incognito, who who had probably the best bounce back year that I've ever seen, um, you know, for an offensive lineman, you know, coming in. Colton Miller vastly improved. Trent Brown is an absolute monster. Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, who's the best center in the game. Um, you know, defensively, we got better. We got some linebackers that can cover. You, br- you bring in a guy like Corey Littleton, Nick Wachowski. Um, you've got some linebackers you can cover. You've got a, a great young corner in Trayvon Mullen. Uh, draft a, you know, a shutdown corner in Damon Arnett, who, once again, I didn't know a ton about until, you know, I looked at some tape. And, you know, he got more passes thrown at him than Jeff Okuda because Jeff Okuda was, you know, the big name. But Damon Arnett only gave up one touchdown uh, last year. So, you know, Arnett was was doing his thing on his own. Um, and then, you know, you look at the the secondary, the, the deep secondary, and this is where I get the most excited because we have Jonathan Abram coming back from injury. And this is almost like a rookie year for him because he played one game. We saw a few flashes of what he could do against against Denver, and then he got hurt. So I'm really excited to see Abram play. I'm really excited to see this defense come together. Um, looking at this team realistically, um, I've been kind of staying pat at 10 and six. I think that the Raiders should go 10 and six. Hopefully we split with the chiefs this year. Hopefully we sweep the chiefs, but I mean, look, you're facing the, the defending world champions. They've gotten better. They just gave Pat Mahomes half a billion dollars. They're going to protect him. Um, so what I would like to see is I would like to see, you know, the Raiders go 10 and six. Uh, I think that that's enough to make a wild card spot, especially with the expanded uh, playoffs, adding another wild card team in there. And, you know, hopefully the Raiders should take that and go deep into the playoffs. You know, one one of the things that we've seen is every time the Raiders move, with the exception, even with the coming back to Oakland, but every time the Raiders move, they end up going to a Super Bowl. So, right. you know, I, I think that the, the, the writing's on the wall right there, right? And I think it's it's about time. We haven't been to one since 2003. I think it's time to go, you know? And so if the Raiders can can make it to one, I think that's great. But I really do see the Raiders going going into the playoffs this year and at least getting past the wild card round. So um, I'm saying 10 and 6, uh, 10 and 6 playoffs. Uh, I think this is going to be an exciting team. You heard it here first, folks. 10 and 6, I mean – Raiders have, I believe, to be the second coming of Wes Welker in Hunter Renfro. That's how, what, yes. how I feel about Hunter Renfro. I loved him at Clemson. I loved when we drafted him, and I love him now. And, you know, another thing I wanted to get into is I'll be completely honest. People are tough on Derek Carr, and I've been one of those people, not even necessarily because of what he's done on the field. I've had, I have my jokes time to get out the car time to ride a motorcycle all these types of jokes that I say but deep down I when Derek Carr was balling obviously like we talk about when you're balling everybody loves you Mm -hmm. for me it's been some things about um his social media game I think he's kind of corny on social media uh him and his brother his brother just always having his back in a way that and I don't I have two sisters so I would always I would love to have a brother, but the way they go about some things just kind of bothers me. You know, Derek will show up guys from time to time. And when you're looking, when you're watching, you don't know if you're always going to assume that the quarterback didn't mess up, but we don't know if it's a, a overthrown ball or if the receiver ran a bad route, either way, put it in the context of if a Cam Newton did that or something like that. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be received the same way. So I've wanted Derek to kind of stop, you know, worrying about Twitter, going at Skip Bayless, just just focus on being the best quarterback you can be and staying healthy. We saw a change after that injury when they were rolling a couple of years back, um, and then him him coming back. Even that next year, I believe they had a decent start, but he just he wasn't himself. There have been a couple more injuries, but I say all that to say. Madden giving Derek Carr a 79 rating is still absurd to me. It's still absurd to me. And because Derek is that type of guy, I would hope that he's going to, going to go into this season with uh, the biggest chip on his shoulder that he's ever had because, to me, it's disrespectful. 
To me, it's yeah. disrespectful. If you're not giving him an 80, like I, like I said, I, I understand I'm arguing pennies because I'm thinking <laughs> 80 or 81 would just make you feel better. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's like the difference between 5'11 and 6 foot. It's just, yeah. it's just different. You got to give him an 89 for a reason. Right. No, and then, you know, I'll talk, I'll speak to this because um, I talked to Darren, his brother Darren, a lot. And uh, Darren's become a pretty good friend of mine. Um, and, you know, one of the things is, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if my little brother, because uh, I'm the oldest, but I've got a little brother and, and, a, and a little sister. If my little brother was on Twitter and he saw the way that some people talk, uh, talk crazy to me, he'd be 10 times worse than anything you see Darren right. and David doing. Right, um, right. And, you know, that's just kind of, that's how, that's how it is with brothers. You, you don't want to see, you know, you can talk all the mess you want to your brother, but no, you don't want anybody else to talk mess to your brother. And I know it rubs Raider fans the wrong way sometimes. And I know that sometimes things come out um, wrong and they, they come out different than they should. Um, but I know that Darren and David are, are, are good dudes. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to them on a number of occasions. Um, you know, Derek, yeah, I think that, you know, the one thing, you know, you talked about injuries. Um, yeah, the leg injury, I mean, it sucked, dude. I, I was at that game, um, ruined my Christmas. You were and there. I was there. And oh. so, you know, that, you know, that sucked. And I, I hate to think about that because I get PTSD from it. Um, but then the next year he comes back and he breaks his back. You know, he, he fractured his spine against the Denver Broncos and ended up playing through it he came back you know relatively quickly um played through it and you know obviously things were off there it was also the the same year that you know a lot of crazy stuff was going on on the team um you know jack del rio was weirdo and todd downing was brought in to replace bill musgrave when we had a top five offense and you know so a lot of weird things were happening but you know one of the things i've seen is Derek statistically has done better. And now a lot of people don't want to hear that. A lot of people don't want to talk about stats because they want to talk about the wins and losses. But, you know, he statistically has gotten better. He has, have we won? No. And so those are, those wins, losses, quote unquote, are always going to fall on the quarterback no matter what, because you want to see somebody win. You want to see the team win. Um, but I think that what you're going to see, excuse me, what you're going to see with Derek this year is you're going to see, somebody come up with a, with a huge chip on his shoulder. I think that, you know, the Madam rating is one thing, but I think really it's, he's proven a point. You know, he's proven a point. He's, he's got the team that him and him and Gruden and Mayock have, have picked. Um, and he's, he's coming out fired up. You know, he's been out there working with his guys for, you know, the past few months uh, out in Vegas. They, they've had up to 30 guys up there at a, at a time. Uh, they have a small group of players now because of the the COVID restrictions, um, but they're out there putting in work and they're out there building chemistry. You know, Zay Jones has been out there almost every single day. And I think Zay is going to be a guy that's going to shock a lot of people this year because he's going to be a guy that's not going to get a ton of targets, but I think that the chemistry that he's built with Derek is going to give him the opportunity to make some plays. But I think that Derek ultimately wants to shut up a lot of the critics. I think that, you know, to say that social media doesn't bother somebody would be lying because when you have people telling you that you suck all the time, all you want to do is just go out and say, shut up. I don't suck. Yeah. Um, especially when you know that you don't suck. Right. And right. I think you, that, you've proven that you don't suck. Right. You just have to I prove it again. Right. And I think people, and here's the thing. I think that people know that Derek doesn't suck. Right. I think that they just, you know, you see, you see a Pat Mahomes, you see a Deshaun Watson, you see a Lamar Jackson, you see a Russell Wilson. And that's, a, that's an exciting, you know, exciting run first type quarterback where you're like, man, I wish I could have that on my team. Well, that's not what the Raiders are about. That's not what John Gruden's offense is about. That's not what John wants. You know, if John wanted that, he would have drafted Kyler Murray last year. If John wanted that, he would have drafted Dwayne Haskell. Well, not Dwayne Haskell. He's more of a pocket guy. But, you know, he would have drafted a Tua. He would have drafted a Jalen Hurts. You know, we've gone through three drafts with John Gruden now, and he hasn't taken a quarterback. You have to think about why. Does Is it because he didn't want to take a quarterback? No, it's because he's very comfortable and who he's got. He's reiterated that he loves Derek. He wants to roll with Derek. 
that Derek's his guy. And people say, well, what about Marcus Mariota? Well, look at who our backup was last year. We had Mike Glennon. Right. Mike Glennon's first play in the game, when he came in, he fumbled the snap. Would you rather have a guy like Mike Glennon in, in case your quarterback goes down or in case, you know, you need to spell your quarterback for a moment or in case you want to run a trick play? Or would you rather have a guy who's an established veteran, who's been a starter, who's taken his team to the playoffs? Now, granted, Mariota's had some – he's had some troubles in his past too. You know, he's been benched twice. He lost his job to Ryan Tannehill last year. But I think that Mariota is a much better backup than the Mike Lennon. And that's why Mariota was brought in. He's also going to push Derek to be better. You know, you have you have somebody who's going to be working with you who's an established quarterback. It's only going to make you better. We talk about iron sharpens iron, sharpens iron right? Mm-hmm. Mariota's only going to make Derek better. Derek's only going to make Mariota better. And so I, I see Derek coming out, and I see Derek coming out with a chip on his shoulder this year. And I see him getting getting fired up about what he can do. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same thing about Mariota because they're both in a situation. Mariota knows that he's probably not going to be the starter barring injury, but at the same time, Derek is looking, saying, okay, I still need to stay on top of what I'm doing. And from a management ownership standpoint, say, hey, Derek, we do believe in you, but we also – need to protect ourselves as well. So I think it's good for everyone all around. You know, if you have just a random scrub as a backup, it's not going to push you the same way. There's just no, there's, there's no debating that. I will say one thing I think we can both agree on is what is just popping out in my mind right now is Derek. I know it's only happened twice, but it feels like it's happened so many more times just because of the times when it has happened Stop trying to dive into the end zone with the football. <laughs> it doesn't, it's never worked for you. They've, it's gone to the back of the end or out of, what, twice. Both times, Raiders have not scored on it. I'll never forget, was it this past season when they were, I think they were beating the Packers, and he did it, and then Packers get the ball, end up taking the lead right before halftime, and get, I believe they got the ball back, and the game was over. So Derek, yeah. please, if you <laughs> just please, if you've learned nothing else, just please stop doing that. But you're right. I've been watching the videos too. They look great in Vegas. It, it's a, and it, it's an exciting time. Obviously, going back to rugs, it's it's always going to be a copycat league, right? We're looking at the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill. He's got Olympic speed. We want one of those too. And the Raiders have always loved speed, so I don't think it was a surprise that they went with rugs. I just also think that. To your point, just if you if if someone like you didn't know that much about rugs, you know most people didn't. So you you hear the draft pick and then you think, oh, fast, you know, one one of the faster guys, just a typical Raider pick, which to, it it is kind of on brand. But let's not downplay what they're trying to do here until he if, unless he becomes a bust. We don't know yet. It's too early, and that's the thing about drafts; they give you hope. Right. You know, I've seen I've seen grown men crying on Twitter over the Henry Ruggs pick, and I think that it's completely asinine. Right. Um, there's a video on there if you want to check it out. I'll send it to you <laughs> later. But um, you know, I you know I, I I operate off of you know Mike Mayock's been doing this for a very long time. Um, he's one of the best talent evaluators in the game. Um, he was you know one of the most respected talent evaluators on NFL Network prior to him taking the job. And so that carries a lot of weight. And so if, if Mike's if Mike's high on a guy, I'm 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 okay with it. You know, I, I know a lot of people were were uh, were upset about the Cleveland Farrell pick last year. And I'm a huge Farrell fan. And I think that, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna have an opportunity to to grow and get better. Um, I actually I had him at four after that after that national championship game. So um, you know, like I said, Mike, I think Mike, uh, has done a great job and so far with what, you know, with what he's had to deal with. Um, you know, he had, he had to deal with the Antonio Brown situation last year, right. uh, which was a nightmare. Um, but he's, you know, he's done a good job and I think that, you know, he's going to continue to do better with that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the rugs pick. I think the rugs is going to be a great add to the offense. I, yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. But speaking of, Twitter, I did want to pivot just a little bit to end. Once again, I'm here talking with 
co-host of the Raider Cody podcast, Kenny King Jr., blessing us with some Raider knowledge. Kenny, we talked about with great power comes great responsibility, and social media has given that a whole new meaning. Doesn't matter, you know, a couple or yesterday, earlier this week, with the blue check issue, verified <laughs> accounts couldn't tweet, all these different types of things. Whether you have a blue check or not, if you have some type of following, is literally what it says. They are following you. They are listening to what you are saying. And someone like you who has a following because you talk about the Raiders, which is sports, I'm sure you are not immune to hearing from your followers when you do talk about things that don't have to do with sports case in point social justice and everything that's been going on in the aftermath of george floyd's murder could you talk a little bit about how that's been how that's been received do you care have you hit the un uh, i'm sure most of the people you don't follow anyway have you hit the block button how's that been for you yeah my block button has been my block finger has been heavy the block uh, has been hot. Yeah, the block the block's been hot. You know, I, I know how now I kind of know how Mike Silver and, and Tim Kawakami feel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, because I just don't have don't have time for it. Um, you know, I've I've actually gone through, I've unfollowed some people because of conversations I've blocked. Um, I don't even, you know, in, in situations of of racism um or of ignorance, I don't I don't even give them the respect of muting them. Um, I'm, I'm just going to block you. And, you know, one of the things is when, when the Floyd situation happened, when, when Floyd was murdered, um, I was very vocal about it. Uh, and I've continued to be vocal about it. And I, I feel that, you know, one of the things is if you've got a platform, use it. If you have a, an opportunity to, to speak out and reach people, use that opportunity. You know, as a black man, you, you and I both know that, you know, things aren't always as easy for us as it is for other people. And if you have a voice, if you have somebody who's going to, to speak out, who somebody's going to be there for you to listen, then go ahead and speak. So if you have an opportunity to, to use your voice for something, use it. You know, I think that for me, speaking out was a way to let people know, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here uh, as a voice, I'm here to, to expand uh, the reach, because I think that what we see is, you know, a lot of times we don't see people use their platform for, for that. And I think that, you know, a lot of times that, you know, uh, podcasters, journalists, um, actors, athletes, they often shy away from things because they don't want to lose followers. Um, and so for me, you know, I think when, when all this started, I lost about 150 followers. Dang. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was sitting there because I have an app that, that tracks that. And I was looking through the list and I'm seeing kind of the same things. Right. And we joke about it in, in Raider Nation. You have Shield Dobby Twitter. You have um, Dog Twitter and you have um, you've got, you know, MAGA Twitter, basically. Right. Uh, where, you know, it's if you say something. Uh, if you say something that they don't agree with, they're going to jump down your throat and they're going to tell you why you're wrong in the most disrespectful way. And <laughs> I started calling them out. And so, you know, when I started getting those unfollow notifications, I started posting and saying, good riddance, goodbye. Because I didn't want that. I didn't want that following me. You know, I don't, I don't care uh, if you're a Raider fan. You know, we talk about, you know, if you're a Raider fan, your family. No, if you're a Raider fan and you're a good person, we're family. If you're a Raider fan and you're racist, we're not family. We are not the same. And I don't understand how somebody could be racist and be a football fan when, you know, the majority of the league is black. Right. And, is... you know, you know, and how somebody can watch a video of a man being murdered with, with you know, with another man's knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and think that that's okay. And then want to use a man's past to justify that because that's a lazy argument that you're going to lose every single time if you try to justify that. And I will break you down. But I think for me, you know, it, for me, it was to, to, to speak out, um, to use my voice. Um, but also because, you know, 
I said this before that, you know, as, as a black man, you, you've, a lot of us have been in a situation like that before. You know, a lot of us have been in a situation where we didn't know if we were going to get home that night or we didn't know what was going to happen or we were, we were scared. How many times have you been pulled over and your heart starts racing? your hands start sweating and you just hope that you do everything right because you don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, that's, that's why, why I did what I did. That's why I do what I do is because, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking out for those that, that can't, I'm speaking out for those that they may be afraid to. I'm speaking out for those that, that may not have the voice. And so, you know, I, that's why I do what I do. And, you know, I think that, you know, being educated on the matter um, allows me to speak clearly on it, allows me to speak succinct, succinctly on it. Um, but I think that it's it's something that it's a conversation that needs to be had. And so that's, that's why I do it. Yeah, no, I, I completely hear you. I appreciate you as well for doing that. I have a smaller platform, but I tr try to do the same thing. And it doesn't go unnoticed when some of these, like you said, artists, whether they're musicians, actors, or even, you know, chefs, I, I love Food Network. Some of these celebrity chefs have been a little silent, but you've talked about other things. So where are you now? And I, it doesn't go unnoticed, right? And also you talk about who you're doing this for, you know, we're joined, by not only Kenny King Jr., but your son is on your lap right now. You you got to do that. You got to do this type of stuff for him, you know, because right. th there's a future. And when I have kids, I want to be able to say that hopefully I was a part of helping this situation um, and making the world better for my future children. So you have to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you talk about wanting a better life for your kids. You talk about you know, wanting more for your kids than, than you had. And, you know, I had a great life, you know, I had, I had a really good life growing up. Um, you know, we had some, you know, there were some struggles, um, that, you know, people think that just because, you know, always oh, dad played for the Raiders that, you know, they, they grew up rich and they did all that. My dad played in the eighties back when running back right. didn't really a little different. anything. A little yeah, different. You know, so it's not like, it's not like my, I've got, you know, my dad is, it was making multi-million dollar contracts. My dad was playing more for the love of the game than anything. And so, you know, it's different. It, you know, that, that part of it is different. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think the, the other thing is, you know, I think that when somebody tells you not to do something, when tell, somebody tells you to stick to sports, that's where it just makes you want to talk more about it. It makes you want to, to, do, to do more to be more vocal because now I know that you're triggered. Now I know that I've got you right where I want you. And I'm going to feed, I'm going to put this down your throat so you can taste a little bit of what we have to deal with because a lot of people aren't going to, they're not going to see, they're not, they're never going to feel it. They're never going to, they're never going to feel what it, what it's like uh, to be a black man or woman in, in America. Um, and so if I can help shed some light on that and help you understand, then I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I think I forgot where I heard it, but they said at this point, you know, the people that you talk about blocking and just being very negative, they're just, they're just racist and there's yeah. really no hope for them. What we're working on now is what uh, a term that I heard the swing voters. So it's the people that, you know, weren't, aren't racist but haven't really been anti-racist and we're trying to prop right trying to bring them to that side and i've seen some good stuff throughout the course of you know th this situation and how it's progressed and i have to say that it's because of people like you that do have a platform and are willing you know to, to speak on it and so for that i respect you for a multitude of reasons what you've done on the Raider Cody pod, what you do on your YouTube channel, but that's one of probably the biggest reason because it's not an easy thing. And when you are still trying to grow something, losing 150 followers is not a small amount. You know what I mean? So right. for you to put that on the line, it's just complete respect for you. 
Yeah, thank you. I and actually, I've from there, I've grown a lot more. And so that's it's about just getting the message out there. It's about talking to people, and if you can have a good mix, um, you know, between championing social justice and talking about sports, you know, it, it just makes it makes you a better makes you a better person. It makes you a better, you know, it makes things easier uh, on on social media. Um, but it just, I mean. I'd feel better. Like if I didn't say anything, I'd feel terrible. You know, if I just sat there and, and let stuff happen and didn't speak out and didn't say anything about it, I'd feel terrible about it. And so, you know, just, it makes me feel better to let people know, Hey, I'm with you. Uh, and, and to let people know that, you know, we're, we're all in this together, you know, um, because, you know, while yes, sports are not, right, and we don't have a tremendous amount of sports right now. I need, you know, I'm with you no matter what. We're talking about sports. We're talking about social injustice. We're talking about, you know, we talk about talking about food. It doesn't matter, but. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself, Kenny. I want to thank you again for joining. You are a great representation of Raider Nation, Raider Nation finest. Love what you're doing on the pod, man. Keep doing you. Keep repping Temple all that good stuff. I want to thank you so much for joining. Um, it, it was just a great conversation. We got through a lot of stuff and I think it was, it was just necessary and it was needed. I think that you're going to continue to be a great representation of what it means to be so, someone that's in the media and especially specifically for the Raiders. And I'm sure you're going to open a lot of, ears and eyes to hey maybe i should still be a raider fan or maybe i should actually look up why they left versus my buddy told me this or my friend told me that so i want to thank you again for joining no and i appreciate you having me on uh sorry my son uh decided to come in at the end and and hijack the show no no worries it's great I was on funny things. I was on TMZ one day and he started coming in right, right. As I started talking, he was quiet the whole time. And then right when I started talking, he decided to jump in, but right. no, I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, it was good to talk about, you know, everything from, from sports to Vegas to, to temple a little bit to, you know, to talking about, you know, social justice, dealing with trolls. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, right. We, we just want, we want to see the Raiders win. We want to see people be good to each other. And, you know, we want to be able to get back out there and, and see sports live. So, um, no, I appreciate you having me on. It, it's been, it's been a good talk. Seriously, man, all those things, all those things are true. Again, check him out. Kenny King Jr. On the Raider Cody pod, check out his YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining Kenny and you're welcome back on the show. Anytime. Thanks Alan.